set up a bunch of the basic flows. So the flows are just something that run in the background and can print money for you while you sleep. So we're talking about abandoned cart, abandoned checkout, a good welcome series, a win back campaign for somebody who has bought a product and they haven't bought in a while. Welcome to the Ecom Chats Happy Hour Podcast. I'm Mike Martis, Director of Marketing at Finch. And I'm Nevin Zavell, e-commerce product specialist at Finch. And I'm Ben Billups, the founder of Noble Digital, an email and SMS marketing agency. Your title is so much longer than ours. <laughs> we, we wind down each week in this podcast by cracking up a cold beverage of your choice, talk e-commerce shop. Hey, that's why it's called happy hour, right? But as you know, on the, on the pod, we tend to bring on guests to talk about all things e-commerce. It's a, it's a very intricate, wild market out there and one little corner of it. So I'm going to say little, I don't want to demean what you do, Ben, but one corner of the e-commerce marketing landscape that can be, depending on your brand and your go-to-market can be super, super important. It's going to be obviously email and SMS, which go hand in hand nowadays. And Ben, Ben is, as you heard in his intro there, he owns a company that does just that. And he's going to take us through some things we need to focus on, some uh, things that are important in that space. And Ben, before you jump in, Nevin, you pumped about this? I'm actually really excited <laughs> about this one because, you know, here at Finch, we, we've really focused heavily on sort of the channel mix, Google, Facebook, Amazon, and a lot of these different channel platforms. But SMS and email is one that, you know, admittedly, I've never actually gotten the chance to dig in here. So I'm really excited to probably learn a couple things. So that's what's crazy about the market, dude. There are so many different little aspects and you can get really, really good at some of it. And then there'd be a whole other, you know, section of the market that, that you just don't have anything, you, you know, the basics and you know how to use it, but you're not, you know, it's hard to be an expert on all these things. But Ben, let's start off just real quick. Can you do, you know, you get, you gave the brief intro there. Do you want to intro yourself a little bit more about, about your past, kind of how you got started in the industry. What's the story with your company? Yeah, I'm excited to be on the pod. I'm super appreciative of you guys having me on. And yeah, I mean, to give you the two minute history here, I mean, straight out of college, I started working at a bunch of different startups doing all kinds of different stuff, news media, ed tech, e-commerce. And then, you know, and really considered myself to be a, a marketing generalist for a long time. I'd kind of be the one man marketing band doing everything and just learning as much as possible. And then really like the nexus moment for me where I became really passionate about email and SMS was eventually I worked at this eight figure beauty brand called Bellamy. They sold hair extensions and I, that was the most specialized role I'd had up to that point. So I was doing their email, their SMS and a little bit of their website CRO and I saw some tremendous growth through their channels. Cause I mean, they already had, obviously, as you can imagine at their scale, a pretty sizable email list. We implemented a bunch of different strategies for list growth and for monetization. And eventually it took them from about $250,000 a month in email and SMS revenue to about 1.2 million a month in about a 12 month period. And that's kind of when I really saw the power. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, if you have a winning product and a big database and like the right strategies, like you can absolutely print money with this stuff. And that's when I started to get really passionate about it. I started diving into the details and really went down the rabbit hole with deliverability and like all kinds of different stuff. And so then eventually Bellamy got acquired by a private equity company. Around the same time, I started taking clients on the side, like I had this big case study. So I started working with more brands and then eventually went full time on the agency, which is what we're doing right now. And so we work with a pretty diverse base of clients right now. I mean, we work with some news media companies. We work with some e-com brands. We build newsletters for some B2B businesses, like all kinds of different stuff. But all of it is related to email and SMS. And I mean, I think to your point, Mike, I mean, it's, it's a space where I don't see a ton of expertise. There's definitely some great vendors in the space, but I live in Austin, right? I go to a networking event. You could throw a bottle cap and hit like 10 guys that buy ads, right? 
and I'll be the only guy in the room that like even gives a crap about email and SMS. <laughs> so I, I think it's a good space to be in because what I like to think that we do with our agency is basically take that performance marketing mindset that you it's a, that's an absolute must in paid media, like because you're dealing with spend, you're dealing with cost of goods, all the all these different factors to really optimize paid spend. But then if you take that same mindset and apply it to a marketing channel that has an average ROI of 36x, right? It's like, just imagine the possibilities, right? And that's what email and SMS is to me. So that's fascinating. And one of the things I love to start off. So like, as far as you know, when you're looking at metrics that you're tracking for something like e commerce or paid media performance, you're looking at cost per click, right? You're looking at that cost to acquire the customer. When you're dealing with email and SMS, though, it feels like aside from like platform costs, you know, like a podium or whatever platform that you're using, the costs are pretty minimal compared to the actual returns that you're able to get out of that. I'm just kind of curious because like what is what is the metric? Because you're talking about like this, you know, 36 times ROI. Like where's that data coming from? Because that's fascinating. Yeah, that's um, just, I mean, if you can see research, I don't know the exact source. I know HubSpot has similar data. I've seen two numbers thrown around a bunch. One is 36 and the other one is 41x. And that just comes from like generalized research. I think that's across industries as well. So take that for what it's worth. I mean, you still want to factor in cost of goods sold. And then especially if you're trying to be really aggressive with scaling email and SMS, really the one of the bigger costs that comes in is obviously like if you're working with a, a high level service provider like us, that's going to obviously add to your costs. But then also if you're working with data vendors, so mm -hmm. retention.com, revenue roll, these guys, but typically you're talking about spending 20 cents or less per email, collecting that from your website, monetizing it. So your ROI still tends to be very high. Like generally speaking with our clients, when we look at all costs included, so you're talking about software, service fees, the whole nine yards, I generally like to see at least an 8x to consider it like a healthy channel. So, I mean, yeah, the short answer there is like, yes, I mean, it's super high ROI. It, it depends on how which cost exactly you're working with, but... There's a lot, obviously, a lot of elbow room there. That's twenty cents per. That's insane. That's <laughs> Mike. I think we're in the wrong space. <laughs> yeah, buddy. holy crap. But that's predicated on the idea that you have this incoming web traffic, right? So, like a lot of what we do when it comes to list growth is like very dependent on paid, in the sense that like you have this big lead generation or you have this big traffic channel. And so there are some brands though, and this is something I haven't actually gotten my hands like completely on one of these strategies yet, but it's an emerging strategy where a brand will focus a ton on SEO. They basically just generate a ton of organic traffic. Then you implement a tool like retention for identity resolution. So then you're basically getting free traffic, then 20 cent emails, then flipping that with a good email marketing strategy. And it's like, that's an insanely high ROI strategy, but you have to be willing to put in like the time that it takes to really build those channels yeah. up. But a lot of the emails that we collect are from paid traffic as well, right? Yeah, because yeah. I was about to say, when you're dealing with that, there's a lot of first party and zero party data that you're able to collect. DSPs are huge in that customer list, email list and things like that that you're collecting through your site. So I can imagine that going pretty far just using the data that you already have to be able to start implementing a strategy like this. And with such a low cost, it, it makes a ton of sense. Now, you, know, you can definitely see why email and SMS marketing is becoming so much more of a trend, especially SMS. Like SMS feels like it kind of popped out of nowhere where it's now like every single brand that I'm interfacing with is like, yeah, sign up, give us your phone number, give us your email, and you're immediately in there for loops. So that's fascinating. I think it was, it's so weird to understand like what the costs involved are. Yeah, what's, what's interesting to me, Ben, is like we're a, we're a paid 
channel agency, right? Like we, for our clients, what we are really good at, what we sell is our expertise. And obviously the, you know, the tool that we use internally to surface actionable data that drives people toward revenue growth and profit growth at the same time. The issue becomes like, there are so many things that touch that omni-channel journey, right? It's not just paid search. Obviously we, we kill it in paid search. I mean, I'm just going to toot our own horn a little bit. Like we're really good at paid search. We're really good at paid social. We're really good at, at Amazon. We're really good at DSP. DSP might be the thing we're the best at, honestly. And, and it's a very rare offer in our space to have a, an agency with access to DSPs. The issue becomes what are the force multipliers that you can add on to those things to make them even better? And that's why I liked what you said about your service can be force multiplied by spending on ads, by also getting organic traffic, by any way to get eyeballs into your, you know, onto your website, collect data there, and, and then be smart about what you do. Like Nevin said, everyone's asking about SMS, right? Everybody's probably already doing some form of email, even if it's just a post-purchase email, right? That's table stakes at this point. SMS is a little bit newer and people are like, they're not, it's not newer, it's an older thing, but using it in this way is a little bit new for e-commerce brands, I think, but it's becoming very hot out in the streets, right? So if, if, we, have, if we have clients listening or prospects listening, e-commerce companies listening that aren't doing you know, that maybe, maybe they're like, maybe, I, Hey, I need to get in on this SMS thing. How do you recommend they do that? Ben, like besides giving you a call, how, what should they, what should they do to, to get started in the SMS space? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And the way that I approach this a lot is that frankly, like a lot of brands, there's a lot of brands out there that could benefit from this tremendously if they set up the basics. And it's like, you don't really need like an expert running it until you're getting to a point of scale where it's like, okay, like the incremental value of having somebody who's just spending you know, all day, every day thinking about this channel is worthwhile, right? I think that's when we can provide disproportionate value. If you're just talking about the basic, like let's say somebody's getting maybe 20,000 users a month, they're spending 10 or 20,000 bucks a month on ads, something like that, right? They're kind of maybe in the like mid six figures, something like that, right? It's like more than likely you can take some in-house talent. Somebody's doing social media, for example, have them work on the content side of the email and SMS strategy, and then just do a bunch of setup. So, you know, take a great ESP like Clavio uh, or Sendlane, right? And just make sure that you've got your basics there. You've got a good opt-in unit on your site, right? So then that just means that you're getting more out of your ad traffic and, and all your traffic sources. So you've got a good opt-in unit, which, I mean, I'm, I'm biased towards like giveaways and things like that, like specifically giveaways of the products that the store is selling, because I think that tends to lead to the highest volume of sales or sorry, not to, of sales, but the highest volume of data collection, which then you can use for like retargeting and things like that. Right. So a, a lot of things in the email and SMS space is about like hitting a point of critical mass where, you know, maybe if you have 10 or 20,000 subscribers, sure, you're making some money and you have good ROI, but it's not like completely knocking it out of the park. But it's like, imagine if that was 100,000 or even a million subscribers, it's like, now you're talking about something that can make your business a ton of money, right? And so it's more about setting things up in such a way that you're collecting as much as possible from an early stage. And a lot of these tools are pretty affordable. I mean, I think the lowest level of Clavio is like a, like a couple of dollars a month. Like it's really, it's almost nothing, right? And so it's like, okay, like at least turn it on, set up a pop-up, like put an offer on it to entice people to give you their email and their phone number, and then set up a bunch of the basic flows. So the flows are just something that run in the background and can print money for you while you sleep. So we're talking about abandoned cart, abandoned checkout, a good welcome series, a win back campaign for somebody who has bought a product and they haven't bought in a while, 
make sure that you're optimizing your order confirmation, your shipping confirmation, right? All these different things, right? So that's the way I look at the order priority is like, let's make sure that the list growth is there first. Let's make sure that we're collecting as much as we can collect. And then we at least have like a good baseline there. Then the next stage that I look at is the automation. So let's make sure that the core automations are at least set up in a way where, you know, we're not leaving too much money on the table there. And then if you have capacity for it within your team, start building a promotional cadence on top of that, right? Try to send at least one or two emails per week to your list. Do some basic segmentation, right? At least do like 30, 60, 90 day segments. Make sure that your email records are set up so that your deliverability will be all right. Uh, if you're working with an opt-in list, there's not a whole lot to worry about there. And then like, just like let that run and just make sure that campaigns are going out regularly. And really that's like, that's kind of what I view as like the starter package is you're looking at a, you know, maybe a, a decent amount of time on setup. And then after that, it's just kind of maintaining and making sure that campaigns are going out, you're supporting promotions, you're monitoring the list, you make sure you're unsubscribed, your spam complaints don't get out of whack, just checking in on a few things and then just let it grow. We've got good news. We pretty much advise, not pretty much, we do advise every one of our clients to do as much as you can to collect that first party data. And, and you know, without being, you know, really annoying about it, we like, you know, there are obviously smart and best practices ways to do it without being super annoying because you don't want to do that. You're just going to scare people away. But that's a really good segue into for us to be like, you know, hey, good news. If you want to do SMS, you've already, we've already got the, the, the foundation set up because we're collecting first party data. We're doing this obviously to do retargeting and, and other types of uh, digital advertising, but you can also utilize that stuff by just tweaking a little bit and asking for a phone number as well as an email address. And uh, you're, you're cooking there. Nevin, would you have? Well, it, it's really, it's, it's interesting because the way, you know, I kind of like to think about it is that you have two different types of marketing efforts when you're working for particularly an e-commerce brand, you have your incremental efforts, and then you have your mass efforts, right? Where mass efforts are things like our paid media, like social, TikTok, DSP, as even organic like SEO, where it is designed to mass drive traffic. And then on the other side of this, there's the incremental improvements. And these are, they sound smaller, but I find them to be much more important because you're looking at things like conversion rate optimization. And then you're looking at things, any way that you can take that traffic and multiply it, even if it's by a small incremental amount, is going to pay dividends down the road. And that's something that I think a lot of these small channels and a lot of these smaller pieces here, like something, I'm from the Amazon side of things, so landing page optimization is always one that comes up. But anything that you can do as a brand to increase the amount of conversions that you can get from the traffic that's already being delivered scales every single effort upstream of that. So every dollar that you spend on paid media becomes that much more effective. Every dollar that you spend on SEO becomes that much more effective. And it's these kind of force multipliers, I think that was your term, Mike, that really add up to catapult brands from good to absolutely killing it in the market right now. And given the state of you know, how the e-com space is going, brands need every single arrow in their quiver to be able to start to kind of attack this new market. So I think, I mean, I'm loving like what I'm hearing so far, because it seems just like a really, really good way to kind of build that incremental scale. If I could just jump in on that too, that I look at it a lot like compound interest, right? Where it's like, if you say, okay, I want to put X amount of dollars every month into an index fund, doesn't sound like very much, but by the time you retire, like it's, it's, it provides disproportionate value, right? To your life. And I look at email and SMS much the same way, where it's like, you're not talking about a crazy time investment. You know, you're not talking about anything insane. It's like, just set, just set a couple things up, 
make sure some campaigns go out and like let it run for the most part. I think that's a huge part of it. I think the other reason that I'm super passionate about it is because the the first party data for a brand is an asset itself to the brand. And I think that's a part that's like severely undervalued by a lot of e-com companies in particular, where you say, okay, you have your customer profiles, and then you also have this whole list of prospects of people who are on your side at some point or may have been interested in purchasing. And, and that has inherent value. So let's say you're five, six, seven years down the road, the difference between having 100,000 emails in your database and one or 2 million emails in your database, that's going to change your valuation, period, if you're trying to sell the business, right? And then the flip side of that, like that's kind of best case scenario, even in worst case scenario. So actually like the activewear brand Bandier just did this in order to avoid filing for bankruptcy, they are selling their assets, right? Which included their customer data. So it's like, even in a worst case scenario, your customer data is going to provide value to the business. And in a best case scenario, it's going to increase your valuation. And so I look at it as like, start as early as possible, grow it as best as you can. And I just don't expect too much too early, but realize that it's really an investment into your business. That's definitely that's definitely a sentiment that we echo over here. We are huge fans of first-party data, and we're a huge fan of zero-party data, just because it is, I don't know if I want to call it the most, but it's up there with some of the most valuable assets, because you're able to layer that with things like different audience segments. You're, we are huge believers here in DSP, because you're able to take that, you know, that lookalike list, right? You're able to take that customer database list and you're able to layer, you know, different audience segments on top of it. What is the income bracket? What does a customer of this brand look like? And then when you're going to start making things like SMS campaigns, when you're going to start making retargeting campaigns or display campaigns that are trying to hit specific audience segments, you have that picture of what your customer looks like because you as a brand owner, as an e-commerce seller, you may have a picture in your head of, oh, this is what this is what my customer looks like. They're just like me, you know, or you'll have some agency come up and give like a really fun PowerPoint presentation. I did that back in my old agency days as well. Making up those personas was one of the fun parts of the job. But once you're able to actually get that hard data about, hey, your customer might look completely different than how you imagined it. And then that requires your strategy to shift. So whether it be through SMS, whether it be through display, where, again, just kind of trumpeting the power of that, you, the data that you collect and that the data that you own as a brand owner is, honestly, yeah, I'll say it, it's the most important asset in your toolkit. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. kind of um, talk myself first, into it. I agree. Yeah, I agree too. Uh, first, first party, we are in violent agreement over here. First, part, first party data is how you get from segmentation to personalization, and we know we all know how important personalization is. You can you can segment with third party data, but you can't personalize very well with third party data. You need you need that first party, people telling you who they are. Personalization is quickly becoming. It's. I think it already is mandatory for e commerce brands. I don't think you can really compete very well in this space unless you are just a huge brand. I mean, I just got back from a, a conference this past week and one of the speakers there was from the company that sells pen tennis balls, right? And he, and he was like, yeah, we don't, you know, we spend like $100,000 a year on advertising. And he was like, yeah, we don't have to. We, the, we're brand recognition so high. Why would we spend, you know, like people go directly to Amazon and buy our stuff. We don't have to advertise. They, they pass up our competitors and buy our stuff. So if you're in that boat, good job. You've made it. You don't need to listen to us. What are you doing listening to this podcast? Get out of here. But Stan and I learned that lesson the hard way on Friday when we learned that Zambonis isn't actually the machine itself. It's the brand of the machine. Right? Like, like clean. I didn't know that until this Friday. 
right? Oh, that's crazy. There's lots of brands like that. It's just crazy when you learn it. But Ben, I was just going to go into kind of let's let's back up a little bit because we've been talking a little bit in the weeds a bit about data collection and how to launch these campaigns and sequencing and stuff running in the background. But at, at the end of the day, email and SMS are really similar in that it's, it's a channel that you can communicate communicate one-to-one with any given person that, that gave you their email or gave you their information. What are the differences that you see between the tactics that you'll take and the way that you'll measure email versus SMS? Because I think that's where the main kind of crux of it goes. Yeah, for sure. And I think like to your point, there's a lot of similarities. And also, like you mentioned earlier, it's been it's been becoming really popular. And part of the reason it's becoming really popular is because SMS is a super powerful channel because it's so intimate. So like the revenue per recipient expectation on SMS as a channel is way higher than on email. And, and like a big part of that is because SMS still has like open rates above 90%, right? It's like email back in the 90s when you actually read everything, right? <laughs> and then like these days you're like, oh, 40, 50, 60%, like we're crushing it on email, right? So I think like just taking that into account, it's when you send an email, you're like, all right, we got 45% opens on this. Oh no, Ben, I just had a dystopian vision of the future where I have 8,000 unread text messages from numbers I don't recognize. It's going to happen. It's going to be your WhatsApp and we're all going to be on WeChat and yeah, it's going to happen. Okay. Well, get ready. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a, uh, I mean, these, I know on my, I have a Google pixel and like, I have a spam folder. I imagine you guys do too. And so it's like, well, that's a thing now is like SMS spam that you have to like think about now there's SMS deliverability. Yeah. So a big part of it is like the intimacy. So for that exact reason, like the cadence is usually a lot lower. Like if you, if you send too many messages, you're going to generate a ton of unsubscribes. Also just like the, the content itself needs to be more conversational, a little bit more engaging because you want people to be, if they're, if you know that they're going to see it for sure, it's like, all right, well, let's make sure that it's worth their while. This is at least like kind of a fun experience, even if it's not, if they're not ready to convert whatever the case may be. But uh, besides that, the, the strategies are very similar, right? It's like, you've got, you need opt-ins, you've got a baseline of automations, you can have a banner cart, check out all these different things. Like there are some differences with the TCPA requirements. Like for example, you're only allowed to send one abandoned checkout message, right? So like, and if you're working with a good vendor, like they'll let you know about different things like that, where like, there's actually a regulation about this, but you can do all the same basics, welcome series, banner cart, abandoned checkout, browse abandonment. You could do all of those things. And then you can layer campaigns on top of that. So similar idea. It's just, I just look at it as like, you just dial down the intensity and you expect a higher revenue per recipient. And I've seen accounts where their SMS list is a third or a half of the size of their email list. And it generates just as much revenue. So like the expectation, I think is just completely different. And there's obviously a ton of value in putting emphasis on building that list too. And it's interesting because where I see this kind of lying in the funnel and feel free to correct me if I'm off base here is that it is it is mainly a retention and more of a retargeting campaign because it feels like if you're using sms to kind of prospect new people you're going to get unsubscribes piling up very quickly but it's mainly fits into the funnel as a tool to connect with customers who are either very far in aisle and are considering your purchase or may have added to cart and abandoned or customers who have previously bought your purchase that you want to keep in the loop and start kind of building a little bit of a community and a, more of a long-term value off of. Am I right in that? Or is there actually a future for prospecting through SMS? So, I mean, it's kind of a, it's a little bit of a complicated answer. On SMS specifically, I would say you're mostly correct in the sense that, especially with TCPA, like you have to have a double opt-in. So somebody had to at least be high intent enough as a prospect to double opt-in. They may not be a customer yet, 
but they had to double opt in. And so for that reason, yeah, you're generally dealing with higher intent prospects, at least. That being said, I tend to disagree with the sort of categorization of email and SMS as like retention strategy, because it's like, while yes, it's, it is critical for like customer LTV and retention. I also view those channels as critical to getting contacts across the finish line to their first purchase. So it's like you drove ad traffic to the site. We collected an email address. That may be the entire experience. They may not have even looked at a product, right? Like they may be like fairly high up the funnel comparatively, right? They're at least low enough down. They, land, they ended up on the site. But then if you're educating them through those channels and then convincing them to make the first purchase through an automation or a campaign or a promotion, that, you know, I, I do view it as like a critical part of acquisition in a lot of ways. But yeah, the, the, I think the true power in it is in the relationship building and the retention. That's a fascinating perspective because I can definitely see it used as a tool for kind of demystification of the product, a little bit of education there and being able to hit them in a channel where you can actually, at least with email, you can say a lot. So that's that's a really, really fascinating perspective there. I think that's because I I catch myself if I'm bored scrolling through the promotion section of my Gmail. I'm, I'm that guy. But like, it's such a fascinating toolkit to be able to use just because you're able, you have a lot of flexibility. And kind of piggybacking on what Mike was talking with personalization, you know, how has that evolved? Like how has the automation evolved to be able to, you know, really kind of connect on a little bit more of a personalized basis with customers through email and SMS? Yeah. I mean, the, a lot of people, when they think of personalization, they think about like, oh, inserting their first name and things like that, which is kind of like the most basic application. Right. And it's like, does that help? Yes, it helps. Like putting their name in the subject line. Good idea. Right. But and this actually comes down to like kind of a core philosophy, which is like my core philosophy is that powerful personalization follows intent. And, I, and, and that kind of informs everything you do through the channel. So it's not just about like, oh, like this is Cindy. And like through predictive analytics, we've d demised that, you know, she's into handbags of a certain type or whatever it is, right? Like if you have that data, like great, but usually unless you're like enterprise grade, like you, you don't actually have real time access to that kind of information. The information that everyone can get access to is this person spent 46 seconds looking at a product and then they left, right? And you say, okay, well, that's an established level of intent. We know they were interested enough in it. Now let's trigger an automation to follow up and educate them about the product, see if it's a right fit for them. Let's send them to a quiz, like whatever it is, right? And so though I kind of look at it as like sort of pulling threads and messaging differently based on different levels of intent. So it's like, if you just visited the site and left, like we're not gonna contact you that often. We're not gonna pest you too much, but we are gonna let you know about our brand and we're gonna let you know about big promotions, you know, Black Friday and whatnot, see if it's interesting to you. But then let's say, for example, you've been on our site three times and you keep clicking on pants. It's like, all right, like this person is probably very interested in pants, right? Like that's, that's pretty easy to figure out. And then you can develop your messaging based on that. And so even like from a, a core perspective, which this is a very common strategy in email specifically, and I think it should be in SMS as well, which is basically engagement segmentation. And there's a, the reason why it's so powerful is you can make segments of customers based on have they opened or clicked on an email or SMS, like one time, two times, five times in the last 30 days, have they done it in 60 days, 90 days. And then you actually, you, you adjust your messaging cadence based on their level of engagement. And you also adjust basically how aggressive you are based on sort of how warm they are as a prospect or a repeat purchaser. And if you kind of set it up with that sort of thinking in mind, it's very easy to deal with the aggregated data and provide a sort of personalized experience just based purely on that. 
we talk about the customer journey a lot because we think it's a really good lens through which we can explain why certain parts of e-commerce marketing are very important and why some of them have their lane that they need to stay in. Right. And, and so we're right in the middle of this series where we're breaking down each stage from awareness, consideration, purchase, loyalty, retention. And what's really cool is it's, it's pretty rare. There are very few tactics that scale across that entire thing. I think SMS, it sounds like, can and should be used everywhere, probably except for awareness, because at that point you don't have you don't have their information. You can't do it anyway. But once they've got to your site and can started to consider purchasing something that you sell, right? They're likely going and, and shopping around, finding other versions of it. You can immediately, if you if you're able to gather, you can segment by you know the consideration phase, the purchase phase, you know, and then obviously post purchase SMS is really good at at uh, loyalty, bringing people back talking about deals for like exclusive deals for VIP programs, that kind of thing. But that's really cool that it can, you know, you can, there is a strategy to, to implement it across all of that. Like all of like with paid search, like with email, like with anything, you have to be very intentional about who, who goes into those buckets and why, and when do they get those touches? You have to be, it sounds creepy, but I, one of my philosophies is in marketing, you should be very intentional with every touch. Right. And I know that can sound creepy out of context, but I'm talking about actually when you touch, you know, when you actually have an interaction with a prospect or a client or a customer. Yeah. So have a very good reason for it. Right. Nobody likes to get texts out of the blue that doesn't have any value to them. Right. And I think that's the same with email. That's the same with just about anything that, that takes up your attention. If, if you if you take the split second of human inter of the human attention span to look at something and then you didn't get what you wanted out of it, there's automatically kind of a disapproval of that situation, right? But Ben, let's jump into some of the, I have written down here, you have some myths and some uh, facts that you'd like to jump into. I was wondering, what are some misconceptions about SMS and, and what what's the reality of it? Yeah. I mean, so I'll, I'll speak to email and SMS more broadly. And I, I think like the, the five facts I like to harp on with email and SMS is one is that, that you can own your own audience. You can reach them for pennies on the dollar. That's that 46 X or 41 to 36 X ROI we talked about. You can leverage data that you collect across channels. You guys were talking about that, how you can model audiences, everything else. You can easily personalize the customer experience based on their behaviors and you can add predictability to your revenue with consistent growth, right? So, you know, if, if you, if in January of 23, you have 100,000 emails and in January of 24, you have 300,000 emails, right? Your actual baseline, you know, even if your business is somewhat seasonal or whatever it is, your baseline for your revenue expectations can increase pretty predictably just based purely on your list size and the kind of conversions that you're used to expecting based on different campaigns and whatnot. So I think it's really powerful in that way. Talking about different myths and like myth busting, which is more fun. The one is like, we pretty much already covered this in depth, which is like, you can start later. It's like, I think every brand should do at least something as early as possible to make sure that they're collecting, which you guys also were talking about. The other we also talked about, which is that email and SMS marketing are just for customer retention and lifecycle marketing. It's powerful for that, but it's not the only application. And so, and I think especially like when we're talking about identity resolution tools, where these are specific to email marketing and they're can spam compliant, someone visits the site. You can actually collect their email address without them even opting in. Obviously on the back end, you want to make sure that you're handling those leads in such a way that your deliverability is staying in control. But the fact that you can even collect that data in my mind, that effectively catapults email marketing to the middle of the funnel, like pretty definitively, because it's like, they're not even asking for an email and you can send them one. So uh, I think that's one of the myths. The other is that, and this is one that I love to talk about too, is that 
contacts that open your emails are reading them. Not, a, not necessarily true. I mean, think about your own behaviors, right? You, I mean, most promo emails, you open them and you probably look at them for like five, maybe 10 seconds before you decide whether or not to move on or to click. Maybe generous. Well, there you go. That's pretty, oh, that's geez. pretty generous. Yeah. <laughs> that's rich for my blood. That's rich for my blood. I, I might give it a glance. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so that's where it's like, even when it comes down to like optimizing email creative, I like to think of email creative the same way you guys probably think about ad creative where you're like, we literally have three seconds, right? Yep. And so if it's that. like, we, Ooh, that's an that. eternity. Three seconds. Yeah, Ooh, three seconds. Yeah. Well, we're talking centuries I, in ad yeah. time. <laughs> I bet, I bet, I bet SMS it's higher because obviously people, you get, you get the text, you open it, you look at it. You probably do have more like a three to five seconds. It's the, the numbers start to get crazy. Every year I've been in digital marketing, the number of seconds you get for people to glance, to look at your ad and, and actually ingest what's on it has gone down every single year, every, every year. It's like, Oh, now it's down to this. Now it's down to this. And it's like, we're essentially at goldfish levels of, of attention spans at this point for, for uh, digital ads. <laughs> I think the, the absolute destruction of the human attention span is one of the biggest problems faced by marketers that was also caused by marketers. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. 100%. We did it to ourselves guys. We poisoned our own water supply. <laughs> I think it's Seth Godin who says marketers ruin everything, right? Yes, it's like we do. We find something great and then we just take it all the way and then it, it stops working. Yeah, that's okay because we get blamed for everything too. So it, yeah, you know, it, 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 it equals up. We're the new lawyers. <laughs> yeah, <very laughs> we're the new lawyers. I like that. Yeah, and so I mean, I think like it's just really important to like keep that in mind when you're doing creative, right? You're like, okay, like probably they're opening on mobile and probably they're not going to scroll. So you better put everything above the fold on mobile. You better have a clear call to action, you better have a CTA, whatever it is. Or if you actually do want them to read something, you better have a pretty phenomenal hook to actually get them to read and to like keep reading, right? And so it's like really approaching that creative with a performance mindset. And then just to quickly wrap up these topics, the last two are that email and SMS marketing is less sophisticated than digital advertising. I think a lot of that just comes from the fact that there's less attention put on it. But the longer I've gone down this rabbit hole, the more I've realized I was like, wow, I was like, like the predictive modeling and like how in depth you can get with segmentation and you can take it too far. Sometimes you just make it things too complicated. Same is true in ads, right? But the, the level of complexity can get pretty high. Um, and especially when it comes to deliverability and list growth, you have different options for that. And then the last one, this one's specific to email, which is that you can only grow your email list with opt-ins. Um, it's just not true, especially in the U S you don't have to have opt-ins. For now, yeah. Well, and there's a, there's a growing number of states. I mean, by basically like 2025, 2026, there's going to be about 13 states that have their own version of CCPA. But even those laws are still fundamentally, they're opt-out laws. They're not necessarily opt-in laws. And so for the most part throughout the US, you can contact people without their consent as long as you have a business address in the email and you have an unsubscribe link in there. And the rest of it is actually just about controlling for deliverability. So I definitely don't recommend getting into identity resolution or cold email strategies without working with someone who really knows what they're doing. Um, but the bottom line is if you are working with someone who knows what they're doing, you can. And when you can, it's super powerful because you can scale those things up pretty quickly. All right, Ben. Well, we'll, we'll leave it with that, with a final note of work with people who know what they're doing. I think that's an incredible piece of advice. We, I, I think I would say that about anything you're trying to accomplish. Uh, go visit Ben's website over at nobledigital.co if you want to learn a little bit more. He's got some case studies up there. You can watch some videos. That's one of those classic splash pages of, of those consultants you love. I'm sure you've seen them. But uh, hey, if you made it this far in the podcast, that's 
you're a weekender, baby. We love the weekenders. Ben, we call the, we call the people who make it all the way to the end, the weekenders and uh, they're, they're absolute warriors. They're the champions of the show. Uh, any final words, Nevin? I always love guest spots where I can actually learn something. So <laughs> I, I, it's always, it's, it's always a great feeling. So I want to thank you, Ben, for coming on. And definitely big shout out to the weekenders who got to probably learn something as well. Cause it's a really, it's a really fascinating field. hundred <laughs> percent. Ben, you, you piqued Nevin's curiosity. It's true. Uh, ben, any, any last word right before I sign off here? No, just grow your list and send good emails. That's work the MO, with people so. work with experts, people who know what they're doing, right? We're available wherever you get your podcast. Visit finch.com forward slash podcast for more content. Engage with us on Twitter uh, slash X. Nevin doesn't like calling it X, but it's that's kind of what it's called. I hate calling it X. If it's Twitter in the URL, it's Twitter in the... <laughs> We're going to have this at, fight every single time. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> at Finch underscore PPC. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash finch.ecommerce. And we're on LinkedIn. Come check us out. Uh, connect with Ben. Connect with Nevin and I. We'll, uh, we'll chat about SMS. And until next time, I'm Mike Martis. And I'm Nevin Zavell. And we'll catch you next Friday. <laughs>